the first slide here. Um, just want to uh, start by uh, by all getting on the same page on where I'm coming from. So uh, the Bible, I consider the Word of God, which means it's true, it's inerrant, and it's our it's God's revelation to us. That's what we're going to be using today uh, as a guide. Uh, another thing to think about is it's not always about us. The Bible is about God. Sometimes we we often read the Bible and think, you know, where what does this have to do with me? Where are my promises? Um, what should what does this say about me and my life? But I want to turn it around a little bit. I want to look at the Bible and say, what does this say about God? And then in return, what is my response to that? What is our response to this? And then the the one thing I want to uh, to, to focus on also today is that it's not. A collection of random books put together. It's one book, and it has a introduction from Genesis 1 through 11. It has a plot from Genesis 12 through Jude, and it has a conclusion in Revelations. And we're going to look at that. And the reason why we're going to look uh, at the Bible from beginning to end is because it's sometimes kind of hard to get uh, the big picture ideas when we consume the Word of God in just little snippets. And in your morning quiet time, or when you sit down to read the Bible, sometimes it's hard to get the whole picture. I've heard it can be done. I've never sat through and read the entire thing front to back in one sitting. Uh, I have a feeling not very many uh, of you guys have either. It would be a great challenge if you've got a couple days uh, to, to go about it. But um, So we're going to go through the whole Bible today. If you can go to the next slide and hit play. I'm not quite as good as this, these guys, so it'll take a little bit longer. Oh, sorry. I should have warned you about sound. I don't know if, uh, if we can get sound on that. Um, Eve, King tells Abel has to leave. Boring genealogy, great and flood, olive leaf, Tower of Babel, Abraham, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Ten Commands, Promised Land, Judges, David, Solomon, sent away to Babylon, Job, then a bunch of songs, Proverbs, and the Song of Silver, Major Prophets, Lion Den, Minor Prophets, Bethlehem, Golden Myrrh and Frankincense, Satan and Samaritan, Choose Disciples of the Chief, Walk on Water, Thousand Feet, Lazarus and Fig Tree, Lassifer, Blood, money, third to now, Pontius Pilate, public trial, forty lashes to the tree. Why have you forsaken me? Third day, empty tomb, reappears, five feet, acts of G apostles, check the pistols, and apocalypse. So I'm not going to be quite that quick, but we're going to focus on the Old Testament in Sunday school, then we're going to focus on the New Testament in regular church, and then tonight I'm going to talk about uh, the state of the world, uh, what we can be doing and uh, what we are doing up in Iowa City. <clears throat> so if we can go to the next slide. So uh, uh, I'm going to make a big claim and say that missions is one of the most important things in the Bible. I think it's a common theme running through the entire thing, and we're going to look at that. You can make a biblical case for or against a lot of different things. Uh, remarriage after divorce, is it biblical, is it not? Uh, working on the Sabbath, feeding the poor, uh, whether women should be allowed to speak in church, whether women should wear head coverings. All of these, you can find little pieces of the Bible that support one way or the other. Think back to the Civil War. There, there were uh, pastors and, and men and women of faith on each side making biblical claims for and against slavery. So you can take this book and you can use it for your own agenda sometimes and, and make biblical cases for and against different things. But I think this is more than just a biblical case for missions. I'm going to make the, the, the claim that missions is the point of the Bible. Um, so uh, 
next line here. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, the introduction of the Bible. Uh, if you can go to the next slide, Genesis uh, 1 through 28 says, And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and of the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is the line directly after it says that God created man. So God creates man, and he gives them a command. This is the first command that we are given, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So why is this command uh, in there? And why is it the first command that, that has been given? So just think, God has taken all this uh, energy and created the world, this big, beautiful mass of blue and green stuff, and uh, he puts two people on there, two people who are worshiping God, who recognize him as king. Just think, I, I can just imagine going through God's mind. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be amazing to have this entire world covered in these special creatures, these uh, images of me, these little, little mini-me's, running around the world, recognizing me as king and worshiping? So, that's, so he says, go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So that was his goal. We can go on to the next slide. But we know that didn't happen. We know that sin entered the world in the form of the fall. Uh, we had just a few commandments to keep, and we uh, weren't very good at keeping just those few. Uh, and then it gets even worse. By Genesis 6, we're called evil. It says, uh, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And God was sorry that he had made man on earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Just a few chapters into the Bible, we have gotten so bad that God was sorry that he created us. So what to do? If we can go to the next line. God's solution. He wipes out all of mankind except for one family with the flood. Then he repeats the command to Noah and his family. This is what he says. He says, so God blessed Noah and his family and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. All right, you guys get a second chance. Let's do this right this time. So, you would think that mankind would have this fresh flood in their minds, that they would be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They would follow one of these few commands that they have. If we can go on to the next one. Uh, but they don't. We enter chapter 11. This is the end of the introduction. Uh, and it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from east to west that they found a plain on the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They, they had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the whole face of the whole earth. Now, I, I've heard some t people talk about this in the past, and I think the focus is usually on a tower whose top is in the heavens. And the message we're supposed to get uh, typically is, you know, these, the sin here was trying to get to heaven on their own, apart from God. But I think... Uh, that this is just a phrase meaning a tall tower. I think the real sin of the Tower of Babel is here. Lest we be scattered abroad, the, abroad over the face of the whole earth. They were blatantly disobedient, disobedient to one of the few commands that God had given them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They said, no, we don't want to be fruitful, multiply. We don't want to go all over the earth. We want to congregate in one city. And what are we going to do? We're going to build a tall tower. And what are we going to use? We're not going to use stones and mud mortar like we usually would. We're going to use asphalt and we're going to make bricks. Now what is that? Those are waterproof 
or, or water resistant uh, materials of that day. They're, they're saying, God wiped us out in the flood not too long ago. What are we going to do? We're going to build a watertight, tall tower because we are directly disobeying God. We're going to get punished for this. If he punishes us with the flood, we want to be ready. We want to beat God. So, uh, and not only that, they're, they're saying we don't believe the promises of God because what did God do after the flood? He promised not to destroy mankind by, that, by flood again. So they're not only directly disobedient, but they're unfaithful to God. We can go on to the next line. So what does God do? Um, so he scatters them abroad. He makes 70 different languages so that they can't congregate and work together using the same language to directly disobey God again. And so, but now this is the end of the introduction. We're left in suspense. God now has uh, people scattered all over the earth. What should have occurred naturally over many years has incurred instantly due to disobedience. We now have people all over the world, but now they all speak different languages. How is God going to interact? How is God going to reach all of them? How is God going to get his goal of having worshipers all around the world? And so the plot begins. He calls out one man, Abraham, and it says uh, in Genesis 12, Now the Lord said to the Ab- Abram, Get out of your country from a family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think this is a, a verse that uh, conservative Christians are fairly uh, familiar with, especially uh, the line, I will bless you, bless you, uh, bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. We think of Israel when we think about that. But I think one of the most important lines in this set of verses, and maybe even one of the most important lines in the entire Bible, is that last line. And, uh, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. So God has given a promise to Abraham to reach the entire world through him. So if we can go to the, uh, the next line. And, and another interesting thing. So uh, his, his name changed there, if you notice that. Went from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, father of nations. So this, this is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. And it's repeated several more times. It's repeated twice more to Abraham. It's repeated uh, once to his son Isaac and once again to his grandson Jacob. And the rest of Scripture, God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why is this? Why doesn't he say, I'm the God of Joseph and Moses or some other important figures throughout the Bible? It's because the, the promise God has made to man was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't given to the other ones. So whenever God uses this phrase, I'm the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, Directly, the, the Jews of the, of the New Testament time, and, and we today, should be, we should think about this promise, this, this Abrahamic covenant. Next, uh, next line. So God chooses uh, Israel as the continuation of, uh, of, his, um, of his promise. We can go to the next one. Um, and they're identified as such. It says, and you will be seen... Or, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and I bore you with eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if indeed you will obey my voice and my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words in which I shall speak to the children of Israel. And uh, Bill Stearns, he's, he's an author uh, on, on missions, uh, focuses in on the kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I just think that's an awesome line that Israel was to be a kingdom of priests and the whole world was their congregation. And if we think of ourselves today as a continuation of God's people, we are to be pastors and the whole world is to be our congregation, our church. So we're going to look through some of the Old Testament stories through a little bit different lens. Instead of taking the stories one at a time as little snippets, we're going to look at them through the big picture of missions and, this, uh, of, and God's goal of filling the whole earth with worshipers of his. And so we're going to look at the, when they state the purpose of the event. And so if we've, we've, we'll first look at the plagues. And it says, now if we had... Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your peoples, this is God talking uh, to the Egyptians and the Pharaoh, with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. He's saying, I could have destroyed you if that was my purpose. If I wanted to destroy you, that's what I would have done. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that you may show my, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. He's saying, I struck you down. And I destroyed your gods. Each one of the plagues is a direct attack towards one of the gods of Egypt. He said, I struck you down. I defeated your gods so that my name may be exalted. If we go to the next one. And it worked because uh, in the Exodus story, we see that there were many Egyptians who followed the Israelites out of town with them. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. So the purpose of this. Uh, the Ten Commandments are, are, are stated twice in the Bible, once in Exodus, the other time in Deuteronomy. And the one in Deuteronomy, just before it te tells us the Ten Commandments, has the purpose. And it says, Surely I have taught you the statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should, be, that you should act accordingly to them in the land that you will possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them. For this is the wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear about these statutes and say, Surely this is a great nation and a wise and understanding people. So the purpose of the Ten Commandments was not to make Israel good people. It was to be a testament to the surrounding nations. Next line. Be still and know that I am God. I love this. Does anyone else have a picture in their house that says, Be still and know that I am God? might look like that. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one, so peaceful, fishing, I love that one. Maybe the next one, maybe you have a coffee cup that says it. And we'll hold there for just a moment. Does anyone know the rest of the verse? If you, if you noticed, oftentimes it says, be still and know that I am God, dot, dot, dot. That dot, dot, dot usually means that there's something that they cut off. <laughs> you know, what could, be, what could be so, you got it. I, I heard one right answer, I love it, good job. So, what could be so terrible that they have to cut off the rest of the verse? And, and he said it. If you want to go on to the next line, it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We like the first part. The first part's about us. The first part gives us that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Be still and know that I am God. I can just imagine myself fishing by the side of the river, just being still and knowing that God's up there looking over me. Now, the second part of the verse, you know, it doesn't really mean that much to me. 
but it means a lot to God. And if we're looking at the Bible through what it says about God, it says that I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Next one. Parting of the Red Sea. So what's the purpose of the parting of the Red Sea? So it happens in Exodus, but it's discussed a little bit here in Joshua. And it says, As the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is a mighty hand, and that you may know the Lord your God forever. So what was the purpose? It wasn't just for a quick escape out of Egypt. It wasn't to drown some of the Egyptian soldiers that were falling after them. It was to show the power of God that all the nations around there would hear of it and it would be a witness to them. And it worked. Here's the, the uh, uh, Rahab uh, talking about uh, this. And it says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and the terror of you has fallen on us. All the inhabitants of the land... Uh, are faint-hearted because of you. For we heard with the Lord dry, that the Lord dried the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. So it worked. So the, the point of the Red Sea was not for a quick escape. It was to be a testimony to the nations of the power of God, and the nations heard. Next line. David and Goliath. So what is the, the, the purpose of David and Goliath? So, Goliath is this uh, big giant Philistine guy, and he's sitting there and he's bad mouthing God. And here's David's response. I love this. This day the Lord will deliver to you my, to you into my hand, and I will. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to start over. And this day the Lord will deliver to you deliver deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camps of the Philistines to the birds of the air and of the beasts of the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So he's saying, you're bad-mouthing my God. I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to spit down your throat. That way everyone knows that God is the one true God. Next line. Another thing uh, that we kind of sometimes uh, mix up in our Sunday school lessons is we, we imagine... Uh, David as this skinny little guy. I, I think about the uh, the Veggie Tales character uh, Junior. I think's his name, the, the little guy. Uh, but uh, by this time, he has already struck down a lion and a bear. So he's. I, I have a feeling he's not some little skinny uh, skinny punk. Um, Psalms. Psalms is a beautiful picture of God's heart for the nations, and it would take me uh, a whole service just to go through all the Psalms. Uh, and uh, and point out some of the different things that it talks about in the nations. Uh, one author, and I haven't verified this, I haven't went through and counted, but one author says that there's 175 references to Israel's uh, testimony to the nations in the books of, books of Psalm. Uh, so here's just a few of them. Oh, sing of the Lord a new song. Sing of the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news, his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. Next one. Maybe it's figure up here. Uh, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall, be ju- for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Let all the people praise you. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God to our God bless, uh, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all of the earth shall fear him. Next one.
Just a couple more here. Uh, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness has been revealed in the sight of the nations. And he has remembered... Uh, he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness in the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Next one. And I will make mention of Rahab and uh, Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistine and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there, and of Zion it will be said. And this one. And that one were born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers his people. This one was born there. So if you, if you think ahead to Revelations, and we'll cover it later, it says that, that God has purchased people of every tongue, tribe, and nation. And so I think this is speaking a little bit to that. I think as God is recording in the book of life, as he registers the people, I think he... He's registering where they're from as well. Because this is an important goal to God. He wants the world filled with worshipers of his. And in Revelations it says, every tribe, tongue, and nation. So I have a feeling next to my name in the book of life is not 483 million, da 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 da. It's Dustin Krutzinger of the tribe of maybe Sheraton or of the tribe of the Krutzingers or something like that. But I think this is significant. Next one. Looking at Solomon, so Solomon, uh, uh, when, he de- when he built and dedicated the temple, he said the following at its dedication. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes and prays towards this temple here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all which the foreigner calls you. Uh, calls to you that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel and that they may know that this temple which I have built is called by your name. So what's he saying? He's saying people are going to hear about our great God and they're going to hear that I built this temple for them. They're going to come and they're going to worship and they're going to stand before the altar and they're going to pray to God. And he's saying, God, you know what I want you to do when these non-Israelites come in and ask for, uh, ask for a good yield on their crop or ask for more cows or whatever they're going to ask of you, ask for healing of their kids, whatever they ask of you, I want you to answer that question. I want you to answer that prayer for them. That way they will know your power. And just think about modern-day times. It would be as if uh, a, a pastor would say, you know, I want any, any Muslims in the area, I want them to feel welcome, I want them to come here to Grace Baptist, I want them to come here and... You know, there's nothing about conversion in here. I want them to come as they are. I want them to ask for you uh, what they need, and I want you to answer their prayers. There's no strings attached here. Why does he, why does he say this? He says, I want you to answer their prayers that, they, that way they know that there's a God. You answer prayers, and you are a powerful God. Next one. And it worked. He, he was right. Queen of Sheba comes and, he, and she asks him some questions. Uh, says, now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came and test him with hard questions. So he's drawing people in from all the surrounding nations uh, because of the, uh, the attention of the power of God. Uh, next one, Naaman. I love this story. So Naaman is the Syrian general. 
and Syria at the time was uh, pretty hard on Israel. They were coming in, they were raiding, they were taking back women and children as slaves. And uh, what, one problem with Naaman is he had this leprosy. And, and uh, the slave girl, this Israelite slave girl, takes a look at it and says, hey, you should go see uh, this guy back in Israel, Elisha. You know, he's kind of good about taking care of leprosy and stuff like that. You should go check him out. And so uh, he asked uh, the king of Syria, hey, can I go see what, what the deal is with Elijah? You know, it's kind of inconvenient to be in battle and have your arm fall off. So I kind of want to get this taken care of. So, so he goes and, and he, he, uh, the king of Syria sends a letter to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel gets this letter and it says, uh, Dear king of Israel, this is the king of Syria. I'm sending uh, one of my commanders of the army down. Uh, he wants to get his arm looked at. He's got some leprosy and... Uh, that's all. He's just there to take a look at his arm. And the king of Egypt is or the king of Israel's like shaking in his boots going, "I can't take care of this guy's leprosy. This is why would this guy come down to to have an arm taken taken a look at for leprosy? This has got to be a trick. They're coming down. They're going to take over. They're going to take our women and children. He's shaking in his boots. Elijah gets wind of this and he says, "Don't worry, I'll take care of it." And so Naaman comes to Elijah and Elisha goes, you know, go dunk yourself in the river Jordan seven times. And Naaman's like, what? I came all the way down here to get dunked in the water. We have better water up in Syria. Why would I do that? And so one of Naaman's uh, uh, aides, he goes, come on, you came all this way. You know, I know it sounds silly, but just listen to the guy. So he does, and he gets healed. And here's his response. Here's what he says. And he returned to the man of God, meaning Elijah, and uh, he and all his aides. And he came... And, uh, and came and stood before him and he said, Indeed, now I know that there's a God in all, of, in all of the earth. There is no God in all the earth except for in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. He didn't take a gift, um, but that's not the main point. So the point is uh, that, uh, that Elijah healed Naaman here. And Naaman's response was, Wow, there's a powerful God here. There's no other gods. This is the one God. It was a witness to him. Jesus makes mention of this story in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 27. It says, And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So a couple things about this. Jesus is pointing out that it wasn't for a lack of need in Israel. There are many lepers there, but they weren't cleansed by Elijah. It wasn't for a lack of need in Israel. Also, it wasn't because Naaman was a particularly good guy. Remember who he heard it from? He heard it from a slave, an Israelite slave girl who he captured when he's raiding and attacking Israel. So it wasn't for a lack of need in Israel. It wasn't because Naaman was a particularly good guy. This was an effort of God to reach out to the nations and be a witness to his glory. Next one. So just an overview of Solomon again. Uh, so under Solomon, times were pretty good. They controlled the most land. They were getting people from other countries to, to notice uh, this awesome God in Israel and come check him out. Um, they constructed the temple. But by the end of Solomon's reign, things were in a di- downward spiral. He was no longer recognizing God as the king that he was. Um, Israel quickly descended into disobedience. And so along comes the prophets. Next one. Uh, and the prophets had one thing in, in common, all of them. They all continually reminded Israel of their uh, need to be reaching out to the nations, their responsibility 
to be a blessing to all the nations. First one, Isaiah. Uh, too small up there. I'll turn around. Uh, and in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention of his name, make mention that his name is exalted. So here's Isaiah saying, you have a responsibility to reach out to the nations. Uh, furthermore, also the sons of the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord and serve him and love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them, even the foreigners, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifice I will accept on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to me. Next one, Jeremiah. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthless and unprofitable things. Will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my, right, my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Next one. Jonah. I love this story. So Jonah, so he's, he's told, I want you to be my representative to these Ninevites. I want you to go and spread my message to them. Jonah's response is, the Ninevites don't deserve God. They don't deserve a chance to repent. They should just be taken care of like Sodom and Gomorrah. They are evil people. And you see in other parts of the Bible when it talks about the Ninevites, they were evil, evil people. They were. Jonah was right. They didn't deserve the, the mercy of God. But God says, I want to send them a message and I want you to be my messenger. So what's Jonah do? He runs the other way. He runs in the opposite way, gets on the ship, gets topsy-turvy. They toss him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish. He gets spit out. And then he goes, all right, I'll go to Nineveh. That's fine. He gives them the message. And they repent. They repent and they turn to God. And God has mercy on them. And this is Jonah's response. Keep in mind, this is Jonah's response after they have repented. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So after the Ninevites have repented, after they are essentially brothers with him, they are believers, after this, after God has mercy on them, he says, they did not deserve it. I would rather die than live with the knowledge that I brought your mercy to the Ninevites. Sometimes I think we can feel the same way, whether it's whatever, whatever those people are to us, whether those people are Muslims, whether those people are gay people, whether those people are Democrats, I don't know. Whatever, whoever, whoever those people are in our lives, those people who don't deserve God's mercy and God's kindness and God's message, we're not too excited about going and sharing it with them, right? They don't deserve it. Uh, newsflash, we don't deserve it either, but we, we were given it. So next one. Ezekiel. So here, Ezekiel, like all the other prophets, are reminding Israel of their responsibility. Thus saith the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations with, and countries all around 
her. That should be her. Sorry. Um, so think about where Jerusalem is. Where is Israel? You've got a big landmass here with lots of people. Europe got a huge landmass over here. Lots of people. Asia. Huge landmass here. Lots of people. Africa. It's right in the center where all these intersect. Imagine if you're God and you're trying to think in a strategic way. I mean, I think God could have probably done some pretty amazing things, putting them in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and some island. I think he still has the power to do some pretty cool things. But if you're thinking strategically, where am I going to sit this beacon of light that I want all the nations to look at? I'm going to sit it right there with these big continents where, where I've set these big masses and I've put all these numbers of people. I'm going to put it right in the center. That way, when these people... Show everyone else that I am God. People will hear. They'll hear about it. But, next line. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are around her. For, I have refu- for they have refused my judgments and they have not walked in my statutes. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have multiple, multiplied disobedience more than the nations, that are all around you and have not walked in my statutes nor kept my judgments nor even done according to the judgments of the nations that, they, that are all around you. Therefore, thus saith God, indeed I, even I, am against you. I will execute judgments in your midst in the sight of the nations. So they weren't very good representatives. They were put in an awesome place. Ezekiel says, look at the place you're put. To do your job, you didn't do your job, you were so bad, God even says, even I am against you. And why is that? We see uh, towards the end of Ezekiel, then they came to the na- when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these people are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land, but I have concern for my holy name which the house of Israel has profaned among the nations wherever they went. It's not only because Israel were bad people. They were going around profaning the holy name of God. So, exile happens. Next one. During exile, we hear the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with the story. They say, we're not going to worship your gods. There's only one God. That's who we worship. Uh, They're thrown in the fire. They live. And this is Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. This is what he proclaims to the, to the nations after this occurs. To all peoples, nations, language that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So this is Nebuchadnezzar, the guy who's trying to get everyone to worship the false idols. And and after this display of power, what's the purpose of this? Was the purpose of this to uh, protect three guys from persecution? No, the purpose of this was to be a testimony to the nations. Take one of the most powerful people at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, and show him that God is a mighty God. And then he proclaims it throughout all the land. Next one. Uh, Just a couple more... uh, uh, a couple more Old Testament prophets that remind uh, the people of the responsibility. Zechariah, yes, many people in strong nations come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Next one, Malachi. For from the rising of the sun even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense, incense shall be offered in my name. 
and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. And uh, the last one, probably one of my favorites. For all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this isn't a reminder to Israel about their responsibility. It is in a way. This is a prophecy. This is a prediction. God is saying, my goal is going to happen. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. It will happen. We've got uh, a few minutes left, uh, probably to the surprise of, of my family over there. Uh, so we've got uh, going to do one thing. Um, if you want to go to the next one, we're going to have a little contest, Bible quiz. So we're told to, to look for, for things said multiple times, right? To look for importance. If it's important, God's going to repeat it. Uh, look for the repeats, right? So which of these six events, which three, there's three of them, of these six events occurred in all four of the Gospels? And there's a little prize uh, for whoever uh, raises their hand first and gets it. <laughs> might be easier to eliminate some of them. And if no one answers in a minute or so, I'm calling on pastor. <laughs> so be ready. All right. So it might be easier to, to, to eliminate one of the possibilities, or rather not eliminate, but to, to highlight one of the obvious ones, right? So uh, there's this uh, a book uh, written by Carl Medeiros, one of my favorite authors, and he, he talks about this Sunday school lesson. Uh, where the uh, the Sunday school teacher is asking this question. And I don't remember what the question exactly was. It was something like, um, what's small and brown and furry and gathers nuts in the summer to save over winter? Whatever the question was, the the answer was obviously squirrels, right? Little Johnny raises his hand and goes, it sounds like the answer is maybe squirrels, but this is Sunday school. I know the answer is Jesus. <laughs> So this is a conference about missions, so can anyone shout out the obvious one? Which one up there uh, most obviously occurred in, in all four? Commissioning of the disciples, good. And we'll talk about that a little bit in, in regular service. Uh, Pastor, do you happen to know the, the other two that are in all four? Not to put you on the spot or anything, but... Yep. Close. Crucifixion and the feeding of 5,000. I don't think the virgin birth is mentioned in John, if I recall. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so virgin birth, super important, right? Left out by at least one of the by, by one of the Gospels. John, if I recall, uh, Mount of Transfiguration and Crucifixion uh, also left out of, of at least two of them, I think, in each. All right. So I'm, uh, that's the end of this. And uh, we'll have a little break before regular service starts. Unless you want to you want to close in any way or I will close in prayer. Lord, I just thank you. Again, for the opportunity to be here, Lord, I just pray uh, as as similar messages to this and and recognizing your heart for the nations, how much it's impacted my life. Lord, I just pray that that it'll speak to some of those here, Lord, and uh, that we'll be changed today. Even me, Lord, that I'll have a better understanding of your word and your heart for the nations, Lord, and I will respond in a way that you want, Lord. And I just pray that you will speak to us. Uh, about this message, Lord, that these words wouldn't be my words, Lord, but that they would be uh, from you and from your word, Lord. And I just pray uh, that you will speak to us as to what our response would be now that we're focusing on the Bible and what it says about you. In your name I pray. Amen.